Keontae George is a settling force at 20 years old, and we might have found the rightful order of the basketball universe for the Utah Jazz. It's next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Today on Locked on Jazz, Keontae George has been a settling force that might have rectified the rightful order of the basketball universe for the Utah Jazz. Not so much because what Keontae is doing, but because what he seemingly has done for everybody else. The defense had a chance against the 29th and 30th ranked offense to show us that it had a chance to be very good or at least okay or decent. And it finally did in the fourth quarter. Of the other night and late game watch takes us to the Clippers, Nuggets, Warriors, and only got two of them in late last night. We'll talk about those uh, coming up. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as YouTube. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. And to the everydayers out there, love it when you come say hi. Uh, and I love it. The fact that you're part of this program each and every day makes my day. Thank you so much for all you've done for Locked On Jazz and Locked On Podcast Network for those who've been with us the whole time. I want to take a second. Um, you might notice this. If you finish the show all the way today, you'll actually get sent there. But Locked On, um, and I always want to share these. I share these with you um, for those of you who have been with us the whole time. If you're new to the show, um, Locked On Jazz is part of the Locked On Podcast Network and well, probably 2017 or so, I started the Lockdown Podcast Network out of this messy office. Um, and it's now, I think it might be the second biggest sports podcast network in the country, if not bigger. Um, I haven't checked ESPN's numbers, but I think they got us if you count their TV shows. Um, and so it's built up, and you guys have been with us on the journey. We've launched kind of another major. We are the first sports network to launch a 24-7 stream national sports stream on YouTube. So we have a 24-7 national sports station stream right now. It's at Locked On Sports Today. If you finish the show, we'll actually direct you there. Um, but I want you to check it out. I've been watching it a lot. I love it. So, like, you can throw it up on the TV, obviously. If you're uh, Roku, Samsung, you know, cord, using that kind of stuff, you can go to this app called News On <clears throat> and get it. It will be on Amazon by the beginning of next month and Samsung later and some other places as well. Um, you can get it on News On as well if you just want to watch it on your Roku. But it's a 24-7 stream of Lockdown Podcasts, and we try to pick the biggest stories of the day. So the Bills fire Kevin Dorsey, their offense coordinator, and you're going to get Joe Marino talking about that. Yesterday I got a great preview of the Michigan State-Duke game. You'll get the bit of the 76ers getting ready for their matchup last night with Indiana, and then you also get all of our national shows. Um, so if you're one who watches ESPN in the background or something like that and doesn't want Stephen A. Smith screaming at them any longer – um, or has, you know, Fox on the background, uh, you might want to try this out. I think you might really like it. And, um, and, and as always, I love your feedback. So feel free to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. We're building it as we speak. And um, so check it out. Let me know what you think is what makes it would make it better and better experience. And 
um, all those kind of things. So it's locked on sports today. Go subscribe on YouTube as well, and you'll get it there. So first ever sports 24 seven stream. Uh, pretty cool for locked on podcast network to be able to do that. All right, let's talk about Keontae has really settled things out. I have a phrase I use a lot called the rightful order of the basketball universe. And that's when you kind of know how everything fits. And for our first seven games, the we had just absolutely zero rightful order of the basketball universe. Um, the rightful order of the basketball universe would be, you know, like Denver's a great example. You know, Jamal Murray's got the ball in his hands. It's going through Jokic. Jokic's got his ball in his hands. Aaron Gordon knows exactly his role. Contavious called exactly his role. They know exactly how many shots are going to get. And Michael Porter Jr. kind of does his deal, right? Like Denver wins a championship because they had a beautiful rightful order of the basketball universe. We had no rightful order of the basketball universe. Taylor thought he was the number one option. Colin thought he was the number one option. Jordan thought he was the number one option. Lowry is the number one option. Um, not in a selfish, bad way. I think to be clear, just trying to figure out what their jobs were with the ball. And Keontae and, and, and Ochai, I think Ochai's lack of usage is really, really important in the structure have by going into the starting lineup have settled this rightful order of the basketball universe. Now, Walker being out has also allowed John Collins to play in a manner that he's comfortable, which is playing the five as a rolling big, which is exactly the role that John Collins played in Atlanta when he had his most success. I'm not sure. It's a tricky one because I'm not sure it's, a, it's something that John Collins can do for a really good team, which has always been kind of the trick there that he's just not enough of a rim protector. Um, and so it's hard to have him play center. This is what we've talked about with John Collins from the day we acquired him. But what Keontae and, and has done is just kind of settled things. Jordan Clarkson is now just scoring. Like Jordan Clarkson is not worrying about trying to move the basketball, trying to get guys in position, trying to deal with it. Jordan Clarkson's body language was, was as bad as I've ever seen it in the games prior to Keontae becoming a starter. I, I, I don't know if entirely will maybe it just had to go to Keontae at that point because I mean Jordan was kind of a mess uh his body language was as frustrated and discombobulated as we've seen he was visibly frustrated he was sulking um and in the and then but he was also you could see like he had six assists or five assists five or more assists in six of his first eight games well I mean he did it 23 times last year which was I think was the number which was a huge jump for him and a major growth, but all of a sudden he was trying to do it six out of, he was doing it every night. Like, I mean, that, and that's not really where Jordan is. And he was turning the ball over five and six times a game. If you go back, like Jordan made great strides last year and we gave him all sorts of flowers for it because he had 27 games of five or more assists. The previous year he had 12. Well, all of a sudden he had it in six of eight. Like that's just not Jordan. That's Jordan not being Jordan. Like he's just trying to be a player that he just wasn't at all. Well, all of a sudden, now, and even the first game back with Indiana, he still had six turnovers and five assists. Like the last two nights, he's kind of getting three or four assists. He had a nice one. He's turned it over a few times, but his job is to shoot. He's like back to shooting and, and being aggressive offensively. The Indiana game, Keontae was so passive that, Keontae, that Jordan took 26 shots. But, you know, in three games now, Jordan's averaging 30 points a game but since Keontae's moved in the starting lineup. Like that, and that's also where Ochai is really valuable. Ochai just does not have to get shots. And his value is not getting shots. Ochai, as as Will Hardy said, you know he won't really wants him to see his value as what can I do defensively to have the biggest impact I possibly can. And Ochai, 
you know, we'll see how he shoots it. He's four of 10 as a starter from three. That's perfectly fine. Um, he tipped around a bunch of offensive rebounds last night that didn't go in. So his shooting numbers didn't look good, but he just fits so well to what we're doing. So that really has just settled everything. Now there's some interesting aspects to this because like, and this is really where I mean that, that Keontae has settled things. And I do, I still kind of attest that like, it's going to be really hard and I'm not sure his number is going to be good. And I don't really care. Um, like if you look at our, offensive ratings over three games since Ochai, since um, Keontae has started, I think he has the worst offense. He has the worst plus minus Keontae does on the team. Okay. Well, that's probably fine. I mean, he's still 20 years old and he's still going to make mistakes and he's still trying to figure it out. And we have to let him do that every night. His presence is what's interesting to me. His presence is what's kind of letting everyone else and Ochai's fall into place. Taylor's got our best plus minus. In the last three games, Taylor has the best offensive rating of anyone on our team. In the last three games, small sample size. I'm not sure what I, whether I love that as a, as a metric, but conceptually, I think it still proves the point. Like, okay, Taylor's coming off the bench. He's playing against lesser guys. We've played some teams that are really injured. So the backup point guards in the last two teams we've played are pretty brutal. Um, and he's able to, he's coming into the game and he's having a much more pa- good, much positive impact. Colin's been really good in two of the last three games. And so when you look at our offensive rating with Taylor on the floor, it's a 124.6. Well, that's those are 20 minutes a night, bench minutes against Booyah last night. And I don't even remember who Memphis' backup point. Oh, Gilliard. I mean, they're non-NBA players, frankly, um, that in the last two nights that Taylor's got to go second team on, and that suddenly straightens her down. John Collins has our third best um, offensive rating in the last three games. That's because he's playing the position that's that's best for him with that injury. Our plus minus leaders right now are Taylor Jordan and John Collins and, and Colin. They all kind of play in different groupings. Um, Lowry, Keontae. Keontae's got our lowest offensive rating. Keontae's the lowest plus minus is actually Lowry of all crazy things. Um, as he's bouncing around in three stints. Um, but I think it, you know, it's not a point that Keontae has been so amazing. He's been really, really good. And he belongs. I mean, he looks like he belongs, which is incredible. But what he has done is he's just settled things and allowed everybody else to play in the position that makes them most comfortable. And I think that's the, that's really the coolest thing he's done that allows the thing to now move forward a little bit and lets him continue to grow. Defensively, the Jazz just had back-to-back games against the two worst offensive teams in the NBA, and it took seven uh, – that's a little harsh. I was going to say it took seven quarters, but that's not totally true. Um, after not doing a very good job against the hapless Memphis Grizzlies offense, they absolutely shut down the Portland offense and they're doing some things really well defensively in the last two games. And we will get into that as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years. The Hyundai cars are just amazing. I'm driving one of the Santa Fe's right now, and actually both my kids have a Santa Fe. Um, You know, you always say you're going to give your kids, at least I said I was going to give my kids the beater. They'll never get a new car. Then I drove with them, and they're not good. And I was like, oh, we'll take every safety feature that you possibly can have. And um, we have done exactly that. So they both have the Santa Fe, which when I did the safety checks and I did the price value and I did all the research, it was just a no-brainer for me um, that that was the choice. The new Kona is absolutely fantastic, and the electric cars 
The Ionics are killing it, winning every award imaginable. Um, the Ionic 5 is uh, what we have for our electric car, and the Ionic 6 is the sporty one that I'm desperate to grab. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street and in Logan and in Linden. If you're going to stop by, feel free to email. Please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so I can get you set up and get you um, a great experience with Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Ibotta. Ibotta gets you turkey. Thanksgiving is the time, and Ibotta is here for you. This is so cool. So for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. So just add the offers into the app and redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. And all you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers upon receipt. That's right. Pretty great. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation, no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but Ibotta gets you real cash back. And then you can cash out your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. When you also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use the code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. That's 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st with the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. Just go to the App Store. Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, I-B-O-T-T-A, and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in Google Play or App Store. Use the code LOCKED. And you know what I noticed, by the way? They're the jersey sponsor for the Denver Nuggets. It's all Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. Tomorrow, we'll continue all of our fun, and uh, we get a few days off, really kind of a tame schedule. The in-season tournament has been so much fun. YouTube question of the day, are you loving the in-season tournament? Feel free to hit me up with your thoughts at DLock09 on Twitter as well if you're just listening um, to the podcast, which is just great. Um, I think it's been absolutely fantastic um, and been a, a huge win, frankly. Um, it adds, just adds an out. Like Friday's game is going to be big. Friday's game feels like it's got something to it and it's going to – have a little juice to it, and we just wouldn't have – I don't think we would have had that today. Um, so kind of love it. Um, all right. So we played the 29th-ranked defense in the league in Memphis. We played the 30th-ranked defense in Portland, and Portland was playing without um, Anthony Simons and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and then playing without Scoot, I'm not sure actually helps. I mean, he just was terrible to start the year. He'll be fine, but he was terrible to start the year. It's hard on rookies. Um, so I, I don't actually know that having Scoot out made them any worse. Um, might have actually made them better. But they were playing they're playing some borderline guys last night. Um and they came in with an offensive rating of a 104.4. And the Grizzlies had an offensive rating of a 106.6. And so the, we did not do a good job against the Grizzlies. Like the Grizzlies offensive ratings against us were a 123 in the first quarter, a 124 in the second quarter, a 133 in the third quarter. And then we clamped down in the fourth quarter to a 104, which is great. But in three of the four quarters against Memphis, here was a horrendous offensive team that was scoring above the rate of the best offensive team in the NBA. Dallas and Indiana are about 120, which if they finish there will be the best offenses in the history of the game. Last year, Sacramento did it. Um, offense of explosion in this league right now. 
Um, amazingly, by the way, Atlanta is the sixth best offense in the NBA with Quinn. I don't know how they're doing it. Um, Indiana, Dallas, Boston, 76ers, Denver, Atlanta are the sixth best offenses in the NBA if you're interested. The six worst, if you're just, just to share, are Miami, New Orleans, Toronto, Memphis, San Antonio, and Portland. Um, we're right in the middle of the pack. And so, but our first three quarters against Memphis, we did do some nice things. We had 10 steals in that game. There were some aspects, but it was a little kind of daunting that here we were without Walker Kessler trying to play. And then what I thought was interesting to me was that Will's talk coming out of practice was how improved he thought we looked, which I hadn't seen at all. And how, and then when I asked him what he wanted to see out of practice was the, the defensive communication being better and the two days of practice really paying off. So to me, this was super interesting um, because honestly, I didn't have the data that showed this to me other than the fourth quarter the other night that was a 104 rating, which is good. Like Memphis came in at about a, like 105 for that night. They jumped um, when they played us. And and so they were we kept them to average, which if we're ranked defensively, we came into – Last night ranked 28th in the league. If we hold someone to average, that's good for us. Um, last night, we did a really nice job. Last night, all the things Will Hardy was talking about and all the things these guys came to fruition. So Portland's a 104.4, and that's really our standard. We're, we're not right now constructed to be much better than an average defensive team. So if we can hold, anytime we hold them to a 104.4, that would be pretty solid. So first quarter was a 103.7, right on their average. Second quarter was a 103.4, right on their average. Third quarter was a 127. So we had like fallen apart defensively. And in the first half, it was like, okay, wait a sec. Well, we had seven steals in the first quarter, which is great. Seven live ball turnovers we created. We had, um, we, it led us to get out and transition a tremendous amount. We, we were doing a lot of things really well. So there was all sorts of things that I think, we're excited. And then the third quarter, we allowed an offensive rating of 127, and they were like huffing and puffing and blowing our door down and getting right up to it. It was like at two and at three. And it was like, oh, crap. Like this team is, is really not good, frankly, with playing Skylar Mays and some of the guys they were playing. And they were on the verge of like taking us to the wire. I remember there was one time out where Ron and I looked at each other like, we can't be losing tonight. Like, what is up? And then we really clamped down again in the fourth quarter, like really clamped down. The defensive rating in the fourth quarter last night was a 54.2. So an incredible defensive performance last night. Um, and so, you know, hey, the first half was was pretty good. The first half was a – the first quarter, by the way, was a 107.7. I think I misspoke because – so they were above. And then for the first half, they were 105.5, and they're, and they're regularly at 104. So they were kind of right on our regular number. And then they blew it out, and it was like, oh, crap, this is not a good defensive game until the fourth quarter. And then the fourth quarter, Portland really, you know, falls apart. And we clamped down. Let's, I mean, we can, I think, go both ways. Um, they don't make anything in the fourth quarter last night. They go four of 23 from th- and one of 11 from three. Um, really give the Jazz credit. They played really well. And there's some numbers here that are super interesting. Um, the Jazz forced them into four, and, and Portland took. I mean, the first quarter, Portland just kind of seemed to, like, willingly take every mid-range shot imaginable. Portland took 41 shots that were not, in the restricted area and not threes. So 41 low percentage shots last night by Portland. That's pretty incredible. Um, and the jazz deserve some credit there. I think Portland deserves some questions of like, what were they doing? Um, but I also think let's give ja- the jazz some credit there. Um, Portland took 33 shot, 32 shots in the paint that weren't at the rim. 
and um, 11 long twos. So they actually 43, according to NBA.com, that was 41, according to Clean the Glass. Maybe they took, they may have taken something out for a blowout. And it was a lot early. It was 17 of their shots in the first quarter they took. And then you could tell Chauncey tried to fix it, got him to five, but then they went back to it in the third quarter. They went back to it and took another 10 in the third quarter. That's, and they only end up taking 11 shots at the rim all night long. So let's give the Jazz defense a lot of credit there. Without Walker Kessler and throwing themselves around a little bit and trying to rotate defensively and doing things, they only allowed 11 shots at the rim. That's great. Um, And that's what we'll have to do. And, you know, we've been pretty good on that so far. If you, The one thing that's a little bit disturbing about our defense right now is I'm a big believer in location-effective field goal percentage, which is where teams are are getting their shots um, and how you rank on that. Because I just the standard deviation of what teams shoot in every area, threes or corner threes or long twos, all gets very narrow by the end of the year. We've talked about this a lot over the years if you're an everydayer. And so I think location-effective field goal percentage is really important. We're 22nd in the league in that, which, in you know, in my perfect world, we'd be, we could find a way to be better at that. Um, we're 18th in the league allowing shots at the rim, and we're 24th at allowing threes. So that's why um, – you know, that, that's the reason why we do a pretty generally a pretty good job of stopping corner threes until recently that kind of picked up a little bit. Uh, but eight, if we're 18th at the rim, well, only allowing 11 rim shots last night was great. So that's a really nice, and, and you would have thought without Walker, that would get really difficult. I mean, I said on this show that I really think we're, if we're going to take away the rim, we're just going to have to allow a ton of threes coming up here. And then you hope they're not corner threes. Uh but I thought we did a nice job. Our shifts were better. They didn't have the penetrating guards that some other teams have. So it'll be interesting to see. And Phoenix doesn't really either, frankly. Booker, Beal, and Durant are pretty willing to stay outside. So we should have another game where we can, you know, maybe wreck some havoc defensively without having to worry about the rim and then deal with it when we suddenly see a team like L.A. that, that drives and attacks. The teams that shoot the most shots at the rim this year are Charlotte, Orlando, Philadelphia, OKC, Detroit, and the Lakers. Um, so we'll see that Indiana was a team that we played recently, but we have not played a lot of the heavy rim attack teams. Um, Chicago was is above average, but really of the above average offensive teams, um, we have played almost none of them um, on the rim attack teams. Memphis is 23rd in the league and Portland is 17th and Phoenix is right in that range. So it'll be interesting to see um, without Walker whether how we can do when we suddenly play the Lakers next Tuesday in our final in-season um, tournament game. Uh, late game watch. The Clippers are imploding. So I had to come home and watch that last night to see what is possibly going on there. Um, they And uh, it's it's interesting um, and, and what they're doing with it. Um, and then the Nuggets were actually really interesting last night as well. So we'll, we'll touch on that. And then the Warriors... And Minnesota, Minnesota's just doing things that win basketball games right now. It's really, um, it's crazy, crazy impressive um, what they're doing uh, and how they're approaching. So we'll have late game watch coming up for you (laughs) here on today's show um, as well. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen today. Locked On NBA, by the way, is your second listen each and every day for you, available uh, for you to um, have all the fun and uh, take advantage. Huh, it's really weird. I'm trying to do something right now, and it's there. We go. Uh, locked on NBA, thirty minutes or less. Plus, locked on sports today. YouTube, twenty four seven. All right, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Basketball Fantasy host, the number one fantasy basketball show, which was on Locked On Sports today. 
feed right when we started this. Uh, the number one fantasy basketball show in the country, Josh Lloyd, to bring you some of the best waiver wire picks and fantasy picks of the week, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week. Our friends at eBay want you to be great. So here are your eBay guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Skylar Mays was one of the players that Josh talked about. He should be starting for the rest of the week. His value is great for fantasy teams until Mark, uh, Malcolm Brogdon returns. Bilal Kulabai, the rookie for the Wizards, is in rotations, and they continue to be all over the place. The rotations do, but uh, Bilal is playing 30 minutes in the last two games, and he is their future. He's a massive defensive option as well. And the last one, Keontae George, the new starting point guard of the Utah Jazz, has tallied 20 assists in his first two starts. Plus, last night, he's up to 28, I think. It might be rocky, but it's worth grabbing, says Josh Lloyd. Josh, from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, the rightful order of the basketball universe. Same with your vehicle. So it is eBay's guaranteed fit. There's nothing else quite like it. It's guaranteed to fit your ride for the first time, every time, or your money back with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions do apply. Good luck in your fantasy, and let's hope that the eBay guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week drive you to a championship today. All right, let's do our late game watch. I watched the final. I actually watched about the final eight minutes of every close game. I did not get to all of them, so we'll have some from uh, leftovers tomorrow. Clippers Nuggets. So, first of all, I actually think the Clippers are beginning to look very much like Dallas did last year. Now, Dallas has fixed it. They got blown out last night. But it's this thing where we're all going to blame James Harden, and we all blame Kawhi last year. It wasn't Kawhi's fault. And if you really watched them last year, it wasn't Kawhi at all. It was their transition defense was brutal. It was that they just didn't seem to you know have together there was uh i remember i'll never forget david fisdale at dinner last year telling stories about when they got lebron and wade together and they would play no your turn no i love you more you take the shot no i'm the best teammate in the world you have it and like that's how the heat were when they first got all those guys together and that's totally how Kyrie and luca were last year and there was this really telling possession last year where Kyrie and luca went back and forth with each other and it became a 24 second violation well that happened last night for the clippers Last year, last night, the Clippers, with about two minutes left, start with a Kawhi, with James Harden, working the left side of the floor. Then he gives to Kawhi for an ISO, and Kawhi doesn't really have it in the ISO, so he gives it to Paul George, and Paul George gets with four on the shot clock, and they get a shot clock violation. No, no, I love you more, but it wasn't quite as much as I love you more. It was like, oh, I don't really have it, so I won't force it, because I love you and believe in you. Um, so, you know, oh, we, like, it was just kind of a mess. The other thing is, like, their defense is bad. It's not, they didn't lose last night, their offense. They lost last night because Denver brought the ball up and scored every single possession. Now, Tyron Lue was playing without a center. Tyron Lue played the final five minutes last night with a lineup that was Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Norman Powell, and Terrence Mann. So their center was Kawhi, guarding Jokic. And Michael Malone ran the exact same play Every single time down for like six straight possessions. They ran like a little scrum up at the high right elbow. Jokic came down on a diagonal to the post, got the ball in the post, and conducted. 
And I really think, and I'll walk through it right here with you, like I really think they scored every possession for the final five, the seven-minute mark, KCP splits two free throws. Their next possession, they get a dunk from Porter on that I'll talk about in a second. It was the key play of the entire game. It's 99-92 with six minutes left, and this was the key play of the entire game, and it's where Dallas, it's where the Clippers remind me of Dallas. But then, so Jokic takes a three, they get an offensive rebound, and then Jokic lays it up, and then they score. Then Aaron, they Jokic misses, and Aaron Gordon tips it up and in. Jokic gets two free throws on the next position. Jokic gets a layup the next possession. Aaron Gordon gets a dunk the next possession. Then Reggie Jackson gets a lay-in with 110 left. Then Aaron Gordon dunks on the next possession. Reggie Jackson misses two free throws with 31.9 seconds left. It is the first time they don't score in seven minutes, and it's because they missed two free throws. They scored every possession. So everyone's going to kill Harden, and everyone's going to kill all the, the everything. This is the truth. And the key play of the night that I just talked about is so reminiscent of the Dallas Mavericks last year. So this game is like in the balance. It's 99. What did I say? 97, 92. And Paul George makes a 17 foot jump shot. No, Kawhi makes a jumper for 12 foot jump shot with six Oh one left to make it 99, 92. And Denver gets a slam dunk alley-oop off a made basket. 10 seconds later. Like, they ran past the Clippers, who are so offensive-minded that they never got back defensively. And now it's 99-94, and then Kawhi misses, and then this offensive run starts where they just score every single possession. The last possession where 7.58 left in the fourth is the last possession in which Denver doesn't score in this game. Until that one I told you where Ray Jackson misses both free throws. So when you listen to everyone talk about this, they're all going to talk about it from an offensive standpoint. The problem is they can't stop anyone. And the problem is that they're not focused defensively the same way Dallas was last year. It reminds me exactly of Dallas last year, which I couldn't stop watching. Um, they do they, – Harden actually has some value to them. Harden actually runs a play. Like they actually run some pick and roll and they engage Jokic. Harden missed a layup at one point. Um, but they did go PJ, PG ISO, PG ISO, Kawhi ISO. And then – you know, they're up five with five when Harden returns. So we can all talk about like this incredible switch and his plus minus and all those things. And they have with two minutes left, they have the shot clock violation and where they play. Oh, I love you more. You love me. No. Um, but then they flip it around. They have the shot clock violation with one thirty left. They have a no pass possession where Paul George literally comes off a pick and just rises for three um, into a pull-up. So they're, they're a mess. Like, I mean, Paul, Paul George coming up, like, he got the ball with four seconds left in the shot clock with two minutes left, and I think was just so pissed that the next time down he got a high pick and roll and just rose for a not very good three. Um, And it's like, you kind of, like, I don't know. Like, it's crazy. Um, And and that was, that was their next possession. And he took that with, you know, I think uh, seven seconds off the shot clock. So early. And you just, like, Paul George was hot. He was the man last night. I think he had 30-something. But that was just an ugly possession that seemed like it was a little bit of like, okay, fine, if you two are going to play with the ball in the possession before, then I'll shoot this. Um, so George had 35 last night. Kawhi, Kawhi didn't look good. That would be my other takeaway. Like, Kawhi couldn't beat guys last night. I 
I'm going to take a quick scan today of some numbers on Kawhi Leonard. This is where I think numbers are super valuable. And this is how I like to use numbers. Everyone's like, oh, you're too numbers based. Okay, right. So I watched Kawhi last night and he didn't look to have any bounce and he didn't look to me like he was able to separate. So I will take some time today and go find Kawhi Leonard's. I will look at the last like five, four or five years and look at Kawhi Leonard's isolation numbers and suddenly see, which I can actually do as I'm speaking right now because I know how to use the system fairly well. And I will suddenly see whether or not there is some sort of, you know, trend that suddenly says that Kawhi Leonard is slipping in his isolation because James Harden's not slipping in his isolation, by the way. The numbers do not back up that he's slipping in either of these things. Kawhi Leonard, here it is, this year on his isolations is at, okay, this is super interesting. Kawhi Leonard is averaging 0.76 points per isolation attempt last year. Kawhi Leonard in 2021 averaged 1.13. Kawhi Leonard last year averaged 1.12. And this year in isolation, he is 0.76. Kawhi doesn't look right. Okay, I didn't know that until right now, by the way. That was just literally me pulling that up live. Um, That's really revealing. So we're all going to talk about all this other stuff. But the truth of the matter is what I saw last night was a team that doesn't get back defensively, that can't get a stop because of their lineup, and that Kawhi looks bad. Okay? See if anybody, see if any national pundits actually pick up on this. Uh, Warriors-Wolves. My takeaway on this one is the Wolves are just making plays that win. So Rudy Gobert has an epic block. A three ball from Dario Saric coming out of the left corner with 33.6 seconds left, and Rudy Gobert gets out and blocks it. And then the next play, Anthony Edwards gets in the paint with 9.6 seconds left in a 99. So it's a 99-98 game. Saric takes a corner three. Rudy Gobert blocks it. The next play, Anthony Edwards comes in. And Anthony Edwards has about like three assists all year when he gets into the paint. And Anthony Edwards, with the shot clock winding down, gives it out to Mike Conley, who nails the three to basically win it for Minnesota. I mean, that's just game-winning plays. And Cat, frankly, was terrific. Cat was kind of all over the place and wild and crazy. He had 33 points last night on 12 three-points attempt, which spreads the floor and makes him pretty awesome. And Jaden McDaniels got ejected two minutes in for his thing with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and the nuttiness of all of that. And certainly, Golden State was not the same. The other one that's a little weird on Golden State is Andrew Wiggins. I was actually listening to Kylan Mills and Cyrus Scott's last night on Locked on Warriors post-game show, um, and they were talking about this. Wiggins last night was 4 of 15 and seven, one of 7 from 3 on the season. Um, you know, when, we think, when I think about the Warriors, part of the reason I think they're so good is because I think Andrew Wiggins picks up some of the slack for where Klay Thompson is slipping. Well, if suddenly Andrew Wiggins is not picking up that slack, then, then that team might not be – then it's really Steph Curry – and the Misfits. Um, and they've got to get... Andrew Wiggins did not have a good year last year. He had all this off-court stuff that was supposedly brutal. I don't know anything about it. Um, but right now, Andrew Wiggins is shooting 39.5% from three and 15... Or 39% from the field and 15% from three. Clay's shooting 34% from three. Jonathan Kaminga still can't shoot threes. He's at 17%. He's... Those are their... Jonathan Kaminga, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins are their next scores. Chris Paul shooting 20% from three averages like eight points a game. They literally have nobody other than the staff on that roster right now. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out um, on my late game watch. The Warriors looked really limited. Now they didn't have clay 
um, last night, and they didn't have Steph last night. So they so they looked, you know, super super limited. Um, and maybe they all just need Steph to play off of. It was so obvious that they just didn't have that other guy last night. And they took the and hey, on the other end, they took the Wolves to the wire. But the Wolves made the plays that good teams make. So no Steph, no Clay, no Draymond. That's a pretty limited team. Um, certainly by the Warriors last night. So I, maybe maybe we shouldn't be getting that excited about. But good good plays. You know, Minnesota making plays. I, I don't. I find Minnesota late game watch to be one of the least intelligent teams out there. And they weren't last night. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in, being a part of the program. Greatly appreciate it. It's time now to send you over to Locked on Sports Today, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.